This week on the Off the Crossbar podcast, there's three weeks still to play and four playoff spots still up for grabs. We'll talk about some great jerseys and some tough jerseys, and of course, an amazing Tucker Outland Fulminite. The latest man to hit 500 goals, Curtis Dixon, will join us in another round of box bets. All that and more on OTCB. I am an My name is Teddy Jenner, and boy, have we got an absolute beauty for you tonight. Colorado comes up with a loose ball. Great job by Josh Sullivan. Now he throws far side, and McLaughlin goes to work and gets it in for a goal. What a play by Josh Sullivan to settle that up. And off the stick of Hartley, fed over to Walker. Back in front, the shot he scores. Kelly with his fourth of the game. Takes Owen Aaron pass. Little miscommunication there. Chase down. Look at the save by Dahmer. Brett Dobson caught that one right in the net. He took it right away from Bobby Kidd, the third. Here's Dixon. Power move inside. Far side, short side. Come on. What a finish by Hayden Dixon. It's 5-1 Calgary. Doby, the 36-year-old, been doing this a long time, and tally one more for Dane Doby. That is career goal 507. Only three weeks remaining. Can you believe it? The March to May continues, and while it was a bit of a quiet week, in week 19, week 20 is going to be a very busy one with a lot to play for. What's good, everybody? My name is Teddy Jenner. Find me on Twitter at Teddy Jenner. He is Pat Greg at P Greggy on Twitter. You can find the show there as well at OTCB underscore podcast or we're on the instas at OTCB podcast. Um, not a lot was decided. This past weekend, Patty, but uh, the teams still have to shuffle. The team still got to travel. The team still got to play the games as we try to figure out who the eight in the NLL playoffs will be. What's going on, man? It's going, man. It, this this is all like I love the push into playoffs. Obviously, playoffs are the best, but like to get into the playoffs, that like the the March to May as, as the NLL is coining it. Um, or even just the final few games, if everything's tight and teams are still playing for something, um, it's great. And kudos to the schedule makers because the NFL does this. Um, we're even seeing it a little bit in the NHL, like having these matchups, hoping that they mean something near the end when you see a team like Georgia who are basically playing teams that they are now battling or, you know, Philadelphia playing team. So like, I, I think I would love to see it more often. Uh, for example, Buffalo, Toronto, um, PCLC, Calgary playing a bunch. Uh, against San Diego, them. Colorado has got to play twice. So yeah, like, I love, it. I love it, it. It's basically one, it's potential playoff previews. Two though, it is almost ensuring that like near the end of the, the season, these games mean mm -hmm. something for the teams. And I, I just love it, man. Yeah, it's it is going to be incredible, and you know we go from the Masters, which was a wild weekend. We go 
um, to the NHL playoffs, the NBA playoffs, March Madness ends, baseball starting. Like This is the best time of year to be a sports fan. April is one of the best months um, in all of sport just because of everything that's going on. So let's quickly recap week 19. Um, maybe the biggest surprise was Albany knocking off Rochester. And now the Rochester Nighthawks are, are crazily enough, continuing to fall. They've lost four in a row now. I, I don't know if there's a specific reason. I don't know if there's an easy fix or a solution, but it has to be concerning for Mike Hazen and his group that this team, which everybody kind of thought was going to be able to compete with a Buffalo and a Toronto and the top teams in the West, are starting to look anemic. It's it's concerning because it's so cliche and it's so overused. But at the at, at this is the like the perfect example about it. Like it does not matter how you start the season. Like if you can get hot at the right time, that is so important. Um, mind you, though, like starting the season off. Um, how many how many wins did what was the they were what one or uh six and oh was it six and oh to start the year um like that's gonna probably save them even if they do collapse here and let's say if they go one and one i think they should be okay uh but again they're playing georgia and philly two teams that are battling for playoff spots but yeah they were six um, and oh to start yeah even if they squeak in like this this is not good like the the way yeah. that they're playing um it is, is very alarming, especially when you look like, say what you will. I know Albany, uh, they're a team that's never going to give up, but like giving up to 14 to Albany um, is mightily concerning. Uh, only scoring seven against Vegas while giving up 12. Like uh, this four game stretch, we haven't like the, I think before that they had a, a stretch in, in January, February where they lost two games in a row. And that was the biggest losing streak that this team had. And that was a great thing about this team was that they were not allowing one loss to kind of affect them. But now it's starting to snowball. And you know, they lose to Georgia um, next weekend. God damn it, that last game of the year is going to mean a whole hell of a lot against Philly. Yeah, it, it, it's crazy. You know, the it's almost a converse of what Georgia's done. And, you know, you look at that Rochester schedule to start, Georgia, Toronto, Albany, Panther City, New York, Buffalo. You know, some really tough teams and some teams that struggled early on. And then they lose to Halifax and Buffalo that kind of stopped their run. Then they beat Halifax again. They beat New York again. And then lose to Toronto 9-8 by a goal. And, and, and it just kind of has started – a moment of disbelief uh, maybe in that locker room. And they just need to kind of right the ship a couple wins and they can forget all about it. Two wins going to the playoffs. All right. You're playing some good lacrosse. So if Mike Hazen and his group can turn around and win these last couple of games, it is crucial for that group to go in winning those games. And I, I think when you, when you look at it as well, and I definitely don't think this is on Hartley uh, no. by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but in those stretch, in that stretch where they were winning games and they looked like a top contender, he was around like an 80 
save percentage and his goals against average was closer to like that 10 range over the last few games, his save percentage is down around 70. Mm-hmm. Um, he's still, you know, 37 saves, 38 saves, 29 saves, not terrible, but not like goaltender of the year caliber that we saw yeah. at the start of the year. And maybe this group isn't quite where we thought they were. And some of the holes that they had in the ro- roster was hidden by the elite play of Rylan Hartley. And if maybe if Rylan Hartley's not at an elite level, this team is not elite. We know how important goaltending is in this, this league and in the game of lacrosse, maybe that was kind of, um, allowing us to to kind of get lost in the sauce here. But I still think this is not on Hartley. This is a, a overall struggle for this unit, but because Hartley's not stealing games for them or standing on his head, um, they're having to find other ways to win and, and it's just not coming for them. Um, to steal a line from a great Canadian TV show, Tim and Sid, uh, meaningless stat or significant number. The Rochester Nighthawks, oh, sorry, the Georgia Swarm, have only played one team with a winning record since February 25th, and they are seven and one. <laughs> I'm going to say, can it be interesting, but also meaningless and significant? Yeah. <laughs> yeah like they, we talked about at the start, the murderer row that they did to start the season, Rochester, Philly, Buffalo, Buffalo, Colorado, Toronto twice. Yeah, like that wasn't an easy start to their season. Then they get Albany back to back and they start to right the ship. That 1918 bananas game to Rochester is the only game they've lost since February 25th. But they played Philly once, New York twice, Halifax and Saskatchewan. They're playing their best lacrosse, obviously, but they're not playing the Buffaloes, the Torontos, the San Diego's, the Calgary's. Right. So as well as they are playing and as much as they are gaining confidence to get into the playoffs, and we all said maybe the team you don't want to face right now is the Georgia Swarm, is it maybe a little clouded by the fact that they're not playing the upper echelon teams in the NLL? I, I definitely think there's some merit to that, but like also they're not going to apologize for beating the team. that they, no, like, Of course not. You know what I mean? And uh, I mean, none of these games really, with the exception of, let's say, the Philly game that started everything off. Mm -hmm. um, They've been at least like a margin of what, four goals. So they're handling their opponents. They're looking good while doing it. Of course, would I rather them instead of going Albany, Rochester? Well, I mean, Rochester will be that tough test, Uh, even though Rochester, you could argue is one of the coldest teams in the NL right now. Would it have been nice to see a Buffalo sprinkled in there or a Toronto or a San Diego sprinkled into that schedule? Absolutely it would, but they got absolutely rinsed by the schedule makers at the Mm -hmm. start of the season. So they already went through their tough stretch. Now it's a little bit of an easier stretch. So again, definitely take it with a grain of salt. Maybe Um, I guess we'll see on April 22nd when they play a Rochester team. And if they get into playoffs, we'll see when they play either Toronto or Buffalo. Yeah. Um, Panther city at Calgary. This was, Maybe the most exposed this young Panther City team has looked all year. Calgary really had an incredible game plan, and we always know that Kurt Miloski is going to come with an A1 game plan. But Jonathan Donville, only two assists. 
Patrick Dodds w- w- looked invisible. Um, they didn't have Callum Crawford, which really, you know, obviously doesn't help. But does that concern you that this young team with a good game plan can be really silenced? <sighs> It, it certainly does for postseason lacrosse because, again, especially in that first round, it's a one and done. Um, but at the same time, look at the bench of Panther City. Like, I think the next time these two teams do meet up or if they meet up in the playoffs, like, I think Tracy Kluski and the staff is going to have a good game plan to combat that game plan. Mm-hmm. Um But with that being said, maybe this is just them getting exposed as a team that quite isn't ready to make that next step. Maybe they're ready to get into the postseason, but they're not ready to go on a run. Uh, Again, goaltending matters. Uh, We saw Nick DeMood get chased. Um, You know, he was not happy, by the way. uh, He was. I I don't think we had a shot of it. And he had let in a couple soft ones that he got a lot of piece of, and then they kind of trickled in. And maybe he didn't feel like he needed to come out, but he came off and... Chucked the gloves, the stick, slammed the gate, was absolutely fuming. I, I guess that, you know, I, that's a that's a competitor. That's yeah, a guy that's a that wants right wants there. to go out there and 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 help his team win. Um, obviously, probably disappointed he he got got yanked. But again, it's a decision that the coaching staff had to make. Uh, I thought Cam McLeod was actually pretty solid in relief for him. Um, but again, if this if this if this Panther City team is going to go on a run, they, we need to see Nick Daymood that we've seen the majority of this this season. Mm-hmm. The, the 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 calm, cool, collected, netminder. And I mean, let's not downplay. I know it can like this defensive performance to only allow this Panther City team to to thirty six shots yeah. is <laughs> remarkable. And when those shots were take taken, Del Bianco just, you know, absolutely shut the door. Yeah. This Calgary team just has the formula that I, for me, and I've been saying it pff, probably since week five now, that they are built for the playoffs. Mm-hmm. The thing you could be, you know, afraid of is, okay, King and Pace, those are their clear number ones on each side. Do they have enough star power um, to, to power through. Well, I don't think it really cares. Like I, I don't think they care. And I don't think anyone should, if, if you have such great depth scoring, because anyone can go off on any single night. So, uh, and, and we're seeing pace and King blossom into stars. Anyways, mm-hmm. um, this, <laughs> this Calgary team's poised for a run, man. And, and I just think that that game was more of a validation to that rather than Panther City, um, you know, kind of being concerned or having those red flags out, out about that club. Yeah, I think it was just, you know, a young team that was in a big moment and kind of got caught up in the hype. They got caught up in the lights and the flash of of the Saddledome crowd. Uh, and maybe that's just a blip in the radar for them. I know we all know TK. He'll have that group uh, ready and focused for their next game. Uh, and then like obviously the rematch with Calgary in a couple weekends. Uh, another team you may not want to face in the playoffs, the Colorado Mammoth. The defending <laughs> champs are starting to get hot. Uh, Eli McLaughlin had five points. Zed had four. Ryan Lee starting to get really healthy and more confident. Ty Thompson is starting to produce as they didn't have Chris Wardle in the lineup, and they hold Vancouver to five goals, a Vancouver team that we all kind of thought – had turned a bit of a corner and and were playing maybe some of their best ball of the season. Um, 
but they get two from Kyle Killen, one from Evie, one from Scanlon, one from Charlene Beatties, and that's it. Vancouver got brought, got brought back down to earth in a hurry by the Colorado Mammoth, but this Mammoth team has a whole lot of belief in that locker room. And they should. Uh, look what they did last year. Um, again, it's not quite the same circumstances or the way that they're they're playing. Like, obviously, things are different. And, um, you know, Jake Elliott mentioned it on his his podcast with Tino um, on Lax class this week that, like, Pat Coyle had actually been, like, questioning the, and challenging this group for compete. And he didn't see the compete that he saw last season during this time to get into the postseason. And, I think we finally saw that compete last game. They didn't care that they were playing a team out of the postseason. In that second half, that was just a better team, you know, putting the foot on the throat and, and taking out their opponent. Um, just going through the numbers for Ryan Lee right now, it's absolutely nuts. Five games played, yep. only five goals, which is fine. But 25 assists. For <laughs> 25 assists? That's like 90 assists if he was to play a full 18 games. Like, yeah. that is absolutely ridiculous. He's fourth in assists on his team, and he's only played, he played five. five games. <laughs> I don't know if that's like, if that's like, oosh, maybe the offense this year has been a little bit disappointing mm-hmm. for Colorado, but at the same time, like, it doesn't matter because Lee's back in the lineup. Yeah, this, you know. Sorry, go ahead. Lee, Lee's been out. Wardle's been out. Gibby's been out. Zed's been in and out. Like they've they've had guys in and out of that lineup. So it's obviously been trying to refine that cohesion they had at the end of the year. But it's crazy the fact that they can interject guys and just quickly get right back up to speed. And we talked about it a couple weeks ago. You know, Leezer just doesn't look quite as comfortable as he used to before the knee injury. That's going to take some time getting used to the brace, um, just getting used to the movements and, and what he feels comfortable with to, to find that quickness and that first step that made him so lethal. But that doesn't mean he can't pass the ball. And his vision and the way those guys work off ball and that, that offense that Bishop has employed for the Mammoth uh really works to his advantage and you know they they had Reese Dutch there for a bit they've moved on from him uh Tyson Gibson w- what a great story to see him back and, and contributing so yeah it's 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 a team that has been biding their time till they got healthy and, and now are playing some of their best across and as much like we talked about as much as you don't want to face Georgia I don't know if you want to be facing this mammoth team in a one game playoff whether it's in Colorado or on the road? Certainly not. <laughs> Certainly not in Colorado. We no. know how they play at it's home. It's not going to happen in that first round. But No, but I, again, I think either San Diego or Calgary, like especially Calgary last game, and again, they always respect their opponents. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Um, they have a lot of respect for that Panther City team. I think they are hoping and praying that maybe San Diego doesn't lose a couple games down the stretch. I know they mm-hmm. want home floor advantage, but in the back of their mind, they might be like, well, you know what? I think Panther City actually might be a better matchup for us than Colorado. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, San Diego at Vegas. The Joe Seibel. <laughs> Curtis Dixon with eight points. Berg, 
six points. Dane Doby, six points. Audie Stotts, four points. And another penalty shot goal. Um, Jake Govett's starting to find his yeah. form. Yeah. Um, you know, this This is it was a really good lacrosse game. San Diego just continually w- had Vegas on their heels and had them a bit outmatched. But maybe more importantly is that Frank Chiliano has now won, I think, three straight starts. Mm-hmm. And we all kind of question, will he be able to be the guy in the playoffs? I truly believe the way that Patrick Merrill and his staff have handled load management for their goaltenders has been excellently done. Mm-hmm. And we talk goalie controversy. We tried to make that up many weeks in a row. They didn't hear it. They didn't want the smoke. And now this team is tops in the West, battling for tops overall. And Frank Chiliano's playing his best lacrosse. And maybe this plan has worked out perfectly. He's fresh. He's healthy. He's playing some good lacrosse between the pipes, exactly what they need going into the postseason. And you can just tell this defense is just so much more comfortable with playing the style of lacrosse that they want to because they they know they it's not like they have to like sit back and give up the, the you know the outside look that Frank wants to see. Like now they're they're able to play a little more aggressive and take chances and you know use their athleticism to their advantage. Like of course, don't get me wrong, the offense has been mightily impressive. We know. Just look at the numbers. Look at the guys up front. Yeah, we knew that was going to happen. I truly have been so so thoroughly impressed over the last four or five weeks with this team defensively and I think I have more faith in this team with Frank playing much better and this defense playing much better um in a playoff in a one and done uh in a long series whatever I I, this team is finally turning into the team that I think we were kind of expecting at the start of the year and we know Dixon was going to be a big big addition and 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 the big cat and we knew we saw what um Dane Doby did last year, but Westberg just quietly yeah. leading this team with 90 points. Like when are we going to start having the conversation that this guy is one of the best players in the world, like uh, in the NLL, like he's got to be in the top 10, right? Like yep. he's going to be a top 10 guy, right? Like yep. I know he's, but it just a casual 90 points <laughs> and just, you know, everyone wants to talk about some of the bigger names as they should, but Westberg's got to be in that conversation as well. All right, let's take a look at your playoff implications as they sit right now. Rock, Seals, Roughnecks have all clinched a home floor playoff game. Oddly enough, the Bandits haven't, but it went over New York this weekend, and they will solidify the top two in both the East and the West. The Swarm are in the playoffs as it stands right now, having won (laughs) five straight, seven of eight. Halifax, Philadelphia, Saskatchewan would all be on the outside looking in. And I don't think anybody would have predicted that both Halifax and Saskatchewan would miss the postseason this season. I know a certain someone from Saskatchewan thought <laughs> Halifax was going to miss the postseason. Evan Schemenauer had a ticket at Coolbet for them to miss the playoffs, but he said it was more of a value flyer. I don't think he actually believes it. <laughs> But I know he didn't think that both these teams could be out. And I certainly didn't. At the start of the season, I thought, hey, this rush team, man, 
I, I think they could be back in the first five games. They look great. And, you know, I did say, though, well, let's let's see what Bouquet can do for the full year. And we're mm-hmm. seeing that once again, he has proven to us that he cannot play a full season at the way that he was playing at the start of the year. And this doesn't all fall on Bouquet. Let's no. let's get that out of the way right away. No. But there is just something wrong, something amiss with this team. Um, I know technically they can still get in, um, but man, ugh, something's got to give. I, I think this team's going to look a lot different next year. And for Halifax, we knew that it's probably going to look a little bit different because there's some elder statesmen on that roster. But again, I think if they miss the playoffs, I don't see Kurt Styers standing pat and running it back with that same group. Yeah. Uh, especially with losing some guys, you ha- you bring in a guy like like Randy Stotts, who you think was going to push you over the edge. Um, I would not be surprised if we see some bigger names come in. Obviously, Stotts going to stay there, um, but yeah. bring some guys in to be that new core with a guy like Stotts and some of the other players there. Yeah, on coast to coast this week, I said it's maybe the biggest season in Vancouver Warriors offseason history in their franchise. I think it's going to be equally as huge for teams like Saskatchewan and Halifax to see what they do. What what pieces of their core do they keep? What pieces of their core do they move on from? And what big names won't be back? And I think uh, a lot is to be determined. Um, so n- the only thing that can be determined in the East this weekend is a win by the Buffalo Bandits and they clinch a home playoff game. Rochester, Georgia, Halifax, Philadelphia, none of those teams can be eliminated. None of those teams can clinch. New York and Albany are out. Out West, there is a lot to play for. San Diego can clinch first place in the West with a win at Colorado or a Calgary loss. Calgary's clinched a home playoff game. That's it. They need to keep winning, and they need a Vegas team, or sorry, a San Diego team to continually lose if they want home floor advantage. Panther City can clinch with a win at Vancouver on Saturday and one of the following a Philly loss at Toronto, and a Halifax loss at Saskatchewan. So Panther City could very well find themselves in this weekend. Colorado will clinch a playoff berth with a win versus San Diego on Friday and a Saskatchewan loss versus Halifax on Friday and a Philly loss at Toronto on Saturday. The Rush will be eliminated with a loss versus Halifax and a Colorado win, and Vegas will be eliminated with a loss at Calgary or a Colorado win or a Saskatchewan win. So plenty to play for in the West where we could pretty much have it all decided by the end of this week. And a lot has to happen. Um, a lot of moving parts, but we could have a solidified other than third and fourth figure where they're going to sit a solidified Western conference. Are we going to hit the, the stats predictor? Cause this is, yes. really, this you is want to do this? Hell yes. But here, here, here. Last week, I did it. The week okay. before, Mitch did it. You got to get a taste right, here. Let's, go. let's, let's run go. through the wheel here. Again, reminder, you can do this yourself. Uh, NLLstats.com. Graham Perot does an unreal job with everything when it comes to this website. But the could happen tab. Yeah. This is the playoff picture. We talked about last week. If you didn't listen last week, basically, you can pick the winner of each game. Basically, hit enter, and it'll tell you what the standings will look like. All right, Teddy, 20 games left. 20. Sad, but that means playoffs almost here too. So, okay. Las Vegas at Calgary. Calgary. San Diego at Colorado. Mm, Colorado at home. 
Okay. Philadelphia at Toronto. Toronto. Georgia at Albany. Georgia. New York at Buffalo. Buffalo. Halifax at Saskatchewan. Sask. Ooh. Panther City at Van. Vancouver. Ooh. Calgary at Panther City. Calgary. New York at Halifax. Halifax. There we go. Georgia at Rochester. Georgia. Ooh. Toronto at Buffalo. Oh, that's a tough one. Yeah. Buffalo at home. Yeah, okay. Colorado at Sask. Sask at home always has Colorado's number. Yes, they do. Las Vegas at San Diego. San Diego. Philly at Albany. Philly. Halifax at Georgia. Georgia. Ooh, is that a coin flip? That was a coin flip. (laughs) Philadelphia at Rochester. Philadelphia. Buffalo at Albany. Buffalo. Albany doesn't win the season series. (laughs) Colorado at San Diego. People forget. Uh, Buffalo at the start of the year. They could. Yeah, they could. Uh, San Diego at home. Okay. Uh, Vancouver hosting New York. New York on the road. All righty. I think that's the last TSN game of the year for the It is. It is. And finishing it all, Sask Vegas at Las Vegas. Sask Vegas at Las Vegas. Uh, Let's go Las Vegas. All righty. All right. So this is how it will shake down. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. If if I'm Nostradamus, this is how it shakes down? This is how it will shake down if – you go. To, by the way, if that's if the I case, go twenty no. <laughs> you better have had a parlay at Coolman uh, for this year. So let's start with the West. Uh, San Diego will finish uh, with the first seed. Calgary finishes in second. Colorado jumps Panther City, and Panther City is in fourth. Here is where it gets a little loopy. The Buffalo Bandits end up in first place. The Toronto Rock sit in second. The Georgia Swarm in the three hole. <laughs> And the Philadelphia no Wings, Rochester, and Halifax out. <laughs> Saskatchewan, Las Vegas out. I love chaos. That it's so much fun. I love. Like I don't know how he found this program to do that. Yeah, but it, it, it is so cool just to see what could happen. Literally. Oh, I, it, it's it's honestly so much so fun. I do it like once a day, and I've had yeah. so many different outcomes, but. <laughs> Rochester, like Rochester falling out and Georgia getting up to th- like that would be absolutely nuts. that'd be banana lands. Uh, let's quickly get to thumbs up, thumbs down. Uh, I'll let you go first. I'm going to I'm going to go between your two. Uh, you're going to sandwich my thumbs up, thumbs down. But your thumbs up uh, just continues to be one of the best weekends in lacrosse. Yeah, we talked about it before, I think a few weeks ago, uh, Tucker out lymphoma night. It's it's back in bandit land this week. Um, the jerseys are awesome. Uh, really, really well done. And again, I love to see that Buffalo, regardless that, you know, Sean Williams is in Las Vegas, uh, Scott Loeffler. Uh, you know, very committed to continuing this as a, a fabric of this organization. You look at Dane Smith, um, the custom gear that he has for this with his shoes and even his, you know, his shoulder pads, arm guards with Evo Shield, yeah. uh, Ian McKay wearing some custom stuff. Like you can see 
Um, obviously, Dane Smith knew Tucker very well when Sean Williams was playing in Buffalo. But a guy like Ian McKay, who really never knew Tucker, um, it's a great job by the veterans like Dane Smith to tell the story of Tucker. Yes, that it's 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 passed down to some of these guys that didn't know him or or only you know didn't even maybe knew who you know or knew who Sean Williams was and knew the Tucker story, but you can see it's just such a massive, massive part of this organization. Um, and uh, kudos for them to continue. On another note, not nearly as important, but I will say those New York jerseys, the Navy blue teal with lime green sounds yeah. like a gross color <laughs> actually works really well. I would not be opposed to a team rocking those colors as their full-time scheme I noted it. um little sidebar we're brad and i were talking with uh willie for our coaches call this week he's actually hopping on a red eye after the game in calgary so that he can be in buffalo for that game on tucker out night um you know kudos to scott loffler uh because he's been the guy that sort of really spearheaded yeah. that night and has done a great job in making it one of the best nights in the national cross league and bandland is going to be almost sold out um, it is going to be an incredible night. Uh, speaking of jerseys, my thumbs up are the Saskatchewan Rush Syracuse Smash throwbacks that we're going to see. We kind of already <laughs> yes. talked about this a little while ago, but uh, this was just a very well-crafted execution of a alternate jersey. Um, this is the Syracuse Smash had some of the ugliest jerseys ever. Uh, <laughs> with you know, hated or love it, a pretty funky, cool logo. Um, but the rush have kind of smashed them together to use the pun. Um, and I love it. I think they're going to look sharp. Uh, it's a pretty cool retro logo. Um, and sometimes teams completely whiff and sometimes com teams completely nail it. And this is another example of teams nailing it. So thumbs up to the rush for these smash throwbacks. Um, my thumbs down also involves jerseys. Somebody, Please tell me why I had to call a game with a team wearing gray jerseys and a team wearing white jerseys <laughs> on a bright teal floor, and the white jerseys had white numbers. <sighs> yeah, that that is a broadcaster's nightmare. It is – I don't know what brain was being used when they decided to make – white jerseys with a purple stripe and white numbers with really no outlining. Um, I love, I love the Panther city logo. I love the colors, but those jerseys have to be amended uh, in a heartbeat because literally you can hardly read the numbers from up top. It, it took both Brad and I a while to really adjust to figure out who guys were without having to rely on those numbers. And as broadcasters, that's, that's generally the, the number one thing we look for is what number is that guy? And when you can't see the numbers, you have to kind of revert to, you know, is he a lefty or righty? Is he, you know, wearing long socks? Is he wearing white gloves or whatever? But if you can't see the numbers clearly initially, it, it, it's really frustrating. And those PCLG LC jerseys can be fired to the moon and never <laughs> brought back. So here, okay, because I, again, I, I think I've said it, whether it's on this program or whatever. I get a Panther City, Fort Worth, purple, 
again, I, again questionable that they even came in because there's like 900 teams in the NLL that have purple jerseys. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I get it. Okay, when they did come out, they look great. Lo- I actually love the jerseys, the helm, like everything about Panther City. One thousand percent, though the, the 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 even the blacks. The black jerseys are, are really hard to see, but it's at least dark on purple. It's a little bit easier to see. The whites, though, um, they look great, but 100%. I have not had to be in your shoes calling a game from up top. That's a nightmare. Mm-hmm. The Montreal Canadiens, like it's, they have the stripe in between the jersey on their um, home jerseys. Yep. Classic look, similar to what Panther City has. Panther City then maybe should, for their white road jerseys, not have that stripe. And then that you don't have to worry because that's the issue is, okay, well, you can't put a purple number on that mm-hmm. stripe on the back because it will blend in and you still yeah. won't be able to see it. Can't do black because then you can't see it. Silver doesn't work either. Okay, get rid of the stripe completely. Have a nice, crispy, all-white jersey. Maybe put some purple accents elsewhere. Yeah. You don't have to worry about that. Problem solved. Jersey's beautiful. Broadcasters can see it. So agreed. agreed. A huge thumb de- thumbs down. I I totally agree. I'm always a guy that will sacrifice a little bit of that stuff for if it looks nice, but that's just ridiculous. I'll give yeah. my thumbs down. Yes. Um, I did have thumbs down for Saskatchewan and for for Rochester. I already kind of went into Saskatchewan with, you know, how it was a disappointing season. And I did already talk about this late season skid for Rochester, but it really, and I kind of went in on this and I feel bad for going so hard <laughs> on this Rochester team right now, but maybe it's just because I had such high expectations yeah. for them. Uh, even last year, I was like, man, this team, this team might, might get in. And then Hartley goes down with an injury. Um, Evan Kirk is, is, is no longer with the team due to work commitments and they're working with their third and fourth string goalies and never really could find any ground. Um, but then this year they get the goaltending, you know, they go out and get Connor fields. And I just, I really, really hope this is a blip on the radar for them and for them at least, because mm-hmm. if, like the simulator, if this goes where they completely fall out of the playoffs, oh. that is absolutely like nightmare fuel for this organization mm. because at times they look like one of the best teams in the league. And this would be probably, at least that I can remember, the worst collapse in yeah. NLL history. And this team is too good for that to happen. Were they maybe playing above their heads during that stretch? Possibly. But this is a playoff team. This team yep. should be in the postseason, especially with how Halifax, Philadelphia, and Georgia have faltered during the year and Rochester stayed so consistent. For them to completely collapse like this would just be so, so bad for this team, so bad for that fan base, which it seems like they're finally getting life back into because obviously it's been a, a tough struggle for them for the last couple of years. I I don't know. I, I think there would be a lot of fans that would be pissed off and might not come back to that arena ever again. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's essential that this team finishes on a high note and gets in the playoffs and you can just forget about it and just kind of reset and refocus and, and go in winning some games. But you're right. If they find a way to absolutely punt that six and zero start and basically pull a reverse Georgia, 
Yeah. Unbelievable. I, 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 I don't know what Dan Carey would do. I think he would just kind of have to look at it and say, okay, you know what? Maybe we're one piece away. Maybe we just got to figure out some things. But this isn't something Mike Hazen is used to. And that's losing as a head coach. He's had an incredible run yeah. uh, over the last decade or so. And you're right. Last year, we were like, oh, man, they lose Hartsey to the injury. They, they lose Evan Kirk. Man, if they had those guys, they'd be a playoff team. Well, you know, they've got Ryland Hartley and they've got Connor Fields and Thomas Holgarth is playing Unreal. And man, if, if somehow it goes to shit, I don't know what they do. But that's why Dan Carey gets paid the big bucks and Mike Hazen gets paid the big bucks and they're in charge. And we're just here talking on microphones and, <laughs> and watching the, the events unfold. Um, so it'll be interesting. So that's thumbs up, thumbs down. Curtis Dixon scored his 500th career goal. He's a third player to do it this season. The Seals are rolling. They're playing some really, really good lacrosse. But over the next three weeks, they've got to play the Colorado Mammoth twice. How will they fare? How will he fare against a team that he really always plays well against? Well, let's ask him. C and I go one-on-one right here this week on the Off the Crossbar podcast. 500 goals is nothing to sniff about. And the last few weeks, three guys have done it, including our most recent guest, Curtis Dixon of the Seals. How are you, brother? I'm good, buddy. How are you doing? Uh, I can't complain. It's a fantastic time of year. Um, you're repping the Saints. I got the Shamrocks going. Uh, the playoffs are starting. The oil are on fire. We'll get to that in a minute. But um, 500 goals. When when you first came in the National Crossing, when you were a young Poco kid, um, you know, watching the, the Vancouver Ravens, was that ever something that was on your radar? Mm, no, no, not not, you know, after obviously looking at the names that were the, you know, the five names or however many guys it was back then that were on the list. It's, uh, it's pretty crazy. It's, you know, not something, it's something I'll, you know, look back on later in my, my career and be proud, but, you know, at the same time, um, not many guys have done it. So it's, it's something that I'm proud of. And, and, um, again, it's, it's a cool thing. I'll be able to kind of hang my hat on once, when it's all said and done. Has, the, has there been a secret to your success or has it just been a lot of good guys around you? Yeah, I'll, I'll go with the cliche. It's <laughs> obviously, <laughs> I've played with a, a heck of a, you know, a lot of good players and my whatever 12 years that, that I've been playing now. And um, I've been fortunate enough to be on some really successful teams. And like I said, with, with some really good players. So that, that definitely helps for sure. And, and you happen to do it in the same year Dane uh, gets his 500th goal. How nice is it to be re- reunited with him? And are you still surprised that he's the fastest guy out of the front door? <laughs> I swear they got like a slingshot set up yeah. at, the, at the gate there for him. But no, it's it's awesome being back with him. He's, uh, you know, the ultimate competitor, as, as a lot of people know. And, um, you know, couldn't happen to a better guy him getting his 500th and it was only fitting that that he passed me the ball on on my 500. So it was uh, it was pretty cool to to be able to experience both both those with him. Uh, you've obviously been on different organizations um, in your lacrosse career, whether it be summer ball, PLL, NLL. Uh, this is the first time in the NLL you've actually had to make a personal and business decision um, as a free agent. How tough was it for you to leave Calgary, and and maybe what was the ultimate deciding factor for you to go to San Diego? It was incredible. It was extremely difficult it was um you know i was 
obviously the way that you know our league is set up um you know it, with with the franchise tag you, you have to wait till you're 34 to, to become a true ufa and um obviously i felt like I, I earned that right waiting like i said whatever it was 12 or 12 or so years and um you know i was super excited for the for the opportunity but then you know the time came around and uh like you said it was it was very difficult it was you know pulling at the heartstrings and trying to make that decision and, and weigh everything at the same time, it was, uh, it was tough. And, um, obviously Dane heading to San Diego last year had a, a bit of an impact on that, but, you know, at the end of the day, I, I loved what, you know, Patty and, and shoot were, were building here in San Diego and, you know, looking up and down that roster and, and seeing the talent that they had. And, um, I think that was kind of the deciding factor. I'm not, it's not a secret. I'm not getting any younger and, um, I'd like to be able to put a another ring or two on my finger before it's all said and done. So again, that's not a knock on Calgary. Obviously, they're outstanding this year and you know exceeding everybody's expectations and, and killing it. And um, I just you know I thought it was time for a bit of a change. And again, obviously, I wanted to go join join my buddy Dane down here in San Diego. And um, super happy with my decision. It's, it's been a blast, and obviously, the team's doing pretty well. Did you even give a second thought to asking Brody to give up number seventeen? <laughs> it didn't, didn't even cross my mind. No, I've played with them in Team Canada, and I've deferred to 71, so I figured that was uh, just the smart and safe bet. You mentioned being reunited with Dana. You've also been reunited with Wes Berg, who's already matched his high from 86 points back in 2018. How fun has it been playing with him again? It's awesome. The guy's just He's just an athlete and he's a really good lacrosse player too while you're at it. And, you know, his his vision on the floor is, is outstanding and, you know, he, he finds ways to get you open, whether it's setting picks and or feeding you the ball off a pick. And um, he's just uh, he's just one of those guys. He's gotten better every single year he's been in this league and I still don't think he's reached his ceiling yet. So it's, it's he's definitely, a, you know, a, a guy that you love to play with. It seems like every time you guys have won a big game this season, talking to different players and coaches, they felt like the potential hadn't been met quite yet. And you hadn't played a full 60 minutes of lacrosse. Are you guys still searching for that full 60 or are you guys starting to get there? I think we're starting to get there. I think our last handful of games or so, uh, you know, aside from the Buffalo game there, we've we've been a lot better. Uh, you know, the, the first part of the year, you know, we kind of let leads slip or forced ourselves to come back late in games. And, you know, I've, you know, I talked about in some of our team meetings where, you know, we, we went to the locker room after some of those wins and they didn't really feel like wins. You're, you're still kind of pissed off about it and um, the way that you had to get there. But I mean, at the end of the day, you know, there's, there's no easy, there's no such thing as easy wins in this league. So it's, uh, it's tough to dwell on it too much, but I think we're, we're starting to get there, especially that Calgary game a couple of weeks ago, I think was, one of our better performances of the season. And um, I think a big part of it has been, you know, Frankie and our defense stepping up. You know, they'll be the first ones to tell you that they weren't really living up to their expectations at, at the start of the year. But um, those guys have been lights out the you know the last five or six weeks, whatever it's been. And that just gives us even more confidence up front. And um, we've been, you know, playing as a full unit. And I think it's been, been showing on the score sheet. You mentioned kind of being the new guy on the team and, and having a voice, do you find yourself being a vocal guy in that room as even though you're the new guy? Yeah. I mean, I, again, it's, it's lacrosse world. So everybody kind of knows everybody, even mm -hmm. you know, before I came to the team, there's a lot of guys that I'd 
played with and against for years. So it's not like you're going in and meeting, you know, a, a crop of 20 guys for the first time. But, um, you know, I, I pick and choose my spots just so I think everybody else does. Obviously having, you know, one of the greatest leaders to ever play the game and Brody in our locker room, you know, any, anytime he's talking, everybody's shutting up and listening. And, um, you know, I, I pick my spots. I've never been a huge vocal guy. I've always kind of led by example on the floor. And, you know, even when I was captain in Calgary last year, I'm not uh, – I'm not huge on the big raw, raw pregame speeches. I just, you know, I, I say what needs to be said and, and do what needs to be done. And that's kind of like how I see myself as a leader. So, uh, two leaders um, of supremeness are Pat Merrill and Kurt Miloski. Um, how would you compare their coaching styles and personalities on the bench? They're pretty similar. They're both pretty intense, as I'm sure you can see on, on the broadcast. And, <laughs> um, yeah, obviously, you know, having haven't played with Kurt for for you know the first ten plus years of my career, um, you know, there's not there's not many better than that guy. He's the most you know one of the most prepared and and knowledgeable coaches that you know you'll ever come across. And you know, I, I owe a lot to that guy with you know where I am and what I've been able to accomplish in my career. And uh, you know, same goes for Patty. Was to eat, sleep, and breathe lacrosse, you know, twenty four seven, and and um, you know, there's there's not two better guys you'd, you'd want leading the way for you throughout your career, for sure. One of the surprising stories this year has been the return of Jesse Gamble. Um, how crazy is it that that guy stepped away from the game for five years and he's come out of retirement and been a huge contributor to your guys' defense? It's, I mean, it, it's surprising, but at the same time, it's not. If you know Jess, he's just a fitness freak. The guy's could probably play till he's 60 if he wanted to, <laughs> you know, as well as he takes care of his body and, um he's been awesome man he's you know i remember playing against him back you know when he was first in the league and just how much of a nightmare it was and and when i heard um he was coming back to, to play for us i know me and doves were excited because we we knew firsthand what what he was capable of and obviously there's going to be a little bit of rust there but he's uh you know he stepped right back into that that role that he, that he plays so well and he's been a, a big factor in, in the reason that we're where we are right now Two young guys that are having great seasons for you guys are Danny Logan. And I think a lot of lacrosse people really knew what he could do after, you know, the seasons that he's had in the PLL. But Jake Govett is starting to find his feet in the pro game. Um, what's his ceiling like for a guy that's really starting to get his feet grounded? Jake's been awesome. He's, you know, obviously a bit of a slow start first couple of games. And again, you're jumping into the league and uh, it's not easy for anybody in that situation. And he's kind of just you know found his groove and figured out his role in our offense he knows he's not going to be you know a three four goal a night kind of guy but um you know with with the guys that he's got over there on the left side with the Dobes and, and Audie and and whoever else is in the lineup uh any given night Macker he just you know has to help those guys find space get their openings and and you know when he does find himself opening find himself open um you know he's been burying he's he's got whatever it is now five goals in the last three or four games and um he's, he's taken advantage of his opportunities and he's been you know that that secondary secondary scoring option that you know every team um thrives for so he's been awesome and i mean danny logan i don't know what else you can say about the guy he's he's just a freak he's you know he should be in my opinion probably the front runner for rookie of the year which you probably won't get the recognition for, but he's been unbelievable. He's mm -hmm. lives up to the hype and 
um, does everything. Guy just is an absolute horse on the floor. Takes a billion faceoffs. I think he's facing off at like forty percent right now, which is crazy for a rookie non-fogo. Yeah. Uh, for a guy that just you know mucks it up and and, and plays those 50-50 balls, and um, he's been uh, he's been a huge bright spot back there for us this year. He's he's fantastic. Let us know what it's like being on the floor with Austin Stotts. <laughs> it can be frustrating sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love Audie. He's, I mean, I talked about, you know, Dane being the ultimate competitor and you can say this, say the same thing about Austin. He, he goes out there, he, he leaves it all on the line every single shift. He comes off, he looks like he needs an oxygen tank and then he's right back out there 30 seconds later. So he's, uh, he's a beast and, you know, just watching some of the stuff that he does and, and some of the goals that he scores is, you know, you're, you're finding yourself picking your jaw back up off the floor. So he's uh, he's a lot of fun to watch out there. And obviously, you know, a lot of love having him on my side now. Uh, you won a championship in 2019 with Calgary. You've won a man cup. Um, you've won world championships. Uh, you usually have a feeling if a team has it to win it. Does this group have that same feeling? We do for sure. We do. And like, you know, we talked about earlier, I think it's, the, the most important thing is how you're you're playing leading into to playoffs and everybody you know you saw that in 2019 and with us in Calgary we were kind of a bit of a roller coaster that year but you know we got into a groove at the end of the season especially when we got Kinger back there and um, you know we reeled off whatever it was six or seven wins in a row to, to end the season and I think a lot of the guys in this you know locker room will tell you last year um, you know whatever they started it was nine and two and ended up ten and eight and they kind of limped their way into the playoffs and then that kind of showed. So I think the most important thing is again, how you're playing uh, heading into the postseason, and, you know, we're playing some good ball right now and that's our main focus is to keep playing. Well, don't, uh, we don't want to take our foot off the gas here. And, you know, like I said before, and, and limp into the playoffs and just kind of let whatever happens, happens. We want to be, you know, firing all cylinders and, and make sure we're playing well heading in here. You've got 113 points, uh, another 40 against Colorado Mammoth in the playoffs in your career. What's allowed you to be so successful against a team that is maybe one of the best defensively over the past decade or so? Yeah, I mean, I've probably played 100 games. <laughs> yeah, it's like, anyways. Um, yeah, again, well, I mean, it, it boils down to what we talked about earlier, coaching and, and game mm-hmm. planning and, uh, you know, having the talent around you. And, um, you know, there's been, you know, times I've, Again, last you go back to last year in Calgary, last game of the season, I played against Colorado. I had six, mm-hmm. and then game, you know, we go to the playoffs, and then I put up a bagel. So it uh, it goes both ways for sure. And you know, they obviously have a really good coaching staff and, and Mordo back there, and and uh, you know their defense, and they're very good at what they do. So I think it all just boils down to you know following the game plan and, and figuring out you know the, the the technical side of the game and what we need to do to to break those those guys down and, and have some success. And, you know, they're another team that's playing well right now. They're looking to punch their ticket into the playoffs. They see us twice here in the next, you know, three weeks. So, um, you know, we know we, we stand in their way uh, between them and a playoff spot. So they're not going to make it easy on us. And, and you know, the, the same goes back to them. So it's, it's, uh, it's going to be a fun few weeks to finish off the season here for sure. There were a few. There was a few years ago when when you were in Calgary, you guys started zero and six, and you guys ended up making the playoffs. Georgia started zero and seven, and they're sitting in a playoff spot right now, having won seven of eight. When you just look at that, is it just kind of 
blow your mind that teams can still do that and, and, and that teams are able to bounce back like that? I mean, it shows a lot of a lot of fortitude in that locker room, you know, when you're you're sitting there after game seven and, and looking at the standings, you know, it's pretty easy to pack things in and, and give up on the season and, you know, look for that first first overall draft pick. And um, I think everybody knew, you know, that team was far too talented to to be in the position that they were in in, in the start of the season. And uh, I think obviously Dobson playing the way he is now, you know, goaltending is, is a huge factor in this league and um, they've been getting good goaltending lately, which is, a huge help um but again like they got they got way too much talent on that team to to be you know starting the way they did and um just i think it's it's more indicative of of the team that they are that they've been playing recent the way they've been playing playing recently so um it's it's been it's been fun to see and they, I mean, they've, they've been winning games pretty handily as well so that's uh again they're they're looking good heading you know looking to, to clinch out that playoff spot and i think that you know between the whatever it is, three, four, five seed in the East and, and with the crossover possibility mm-hmm. in the West, it's, it's going to be uh it's going to be a bit of a log jam heading into the final few weeks here. And that just leads to the next question. Um, you guys win this weekend, you secure home playoff or home floor throughout the West playoffs. How important is it for you guys knowing that San Diego is, a, is often a tough travel destination for a lot of guys in the league? It's yeah, for sure. We, I mean, anybody will tell you that home floor is, is super important. And, um, it doesn't matter where we're playing. You'd, you'd rather play at home in front of your own fans. And I remember seeing the, you know, the, the playoff crowds in San Diego last year were, were, uh, were really good. And, you know, we're hoping that's, that'll continue into this year. And uh, again, we're taking it one game at a time, but uh, that's, you know, the next step in our goal is clinching home floor throughout the, the Western, you know, the Western conference playoffs. So that's, that's what we're looking to hope to clinch this weekend. Speaking of home floor, how about them Edmonton Oilers? Teddy, they're, I don't like, I'm scared because I know, right? I got super, super high hopes and I know how that <laughs> usually ends, but the fellows are looking really good. This It's, it's one of those feelings like the believe moment, you know, like we finally won a game in overtime. We beat Colorado. We're two points out of the conference title. Like, is this actually going to happen? You don't want to get your hopes up too high, but you're like, yeah, I, love- I know, I know. <laughs> the times have changed as an Oilers fan. It's uh, it's a great time to be alive, and you know, it's. I mean, they're just a, a ton of fun. They're you know oh, yeah. a fun team to watch, and that's kind of what I've hanged my hat on the last few years. Is you know whether they have their success or not. At least I get to you know watch Connor McDavid David eighty two times a year. But yeah, like you said, this year's got that different feeling, and. You know, hopefully they can uh, translate that into, you know, getting to that Stanley Cup, but we'll see. Yeah, uh, one last one for you. We chatted with um, Tyler Pace on uh, Coast to Coast this week, and he started talking about pro-caliber lacrosse. Um, he said that you're helping out with those guys. Um, how much fun are you having coaching the next generation of players? It's awesome. It's 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 a lot of fun, and um, just seeing, you know, you I mean, you see the highlights on on Instagram and stuff all the time of those high school kids and the college kids and, and some of the stuff that those kids can do now, you know, I, I'd never even dreamed of attempting ever in my life. And just the You've attempted level. some pretty wild shit, man. I mean, I have, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> but not, not at like 16. No, not, no, definitely not 16. And um, just, you know, seeing the talent level and, you know, getting to, you know, watch these kids, you coach them all the way up and, and, and watch them grow and into the players that they are is, 
is super cool and super rewarding and um it's a lot of fun it's a lot of fun there's a, there's a lot of good young talent out here in bc and i'm excited to see you know a lot of these kids take that next step in the, in the ncaa's and again obviously one day watch them uh get into the pros and it's crazy you know like you've known cody miloski since he's been like four five six years old and now you're coaching him you're helping see him to the college game that is a very rewarding feeling for sure for sure and uh you know he's obviously he was heading to denver which is super exciting for him and mouse and um you know there's back when i was in calgary there's kids i was good i, I coached harrison matsuoka and yeah. and you know levi anderson who's at st joe's right now and you know he's going to be a pretty high pick i think yeah. and it's uh it, it, again it, it definitely makes you feel a little bit old but at the same time you know seeing those kids you know take that next step and and get to play against you is is pretty cool old mind young heart superman appreciate you man uh good luck this weekend uh we'll catch up soon and uh, have some fun buddy appreciate you sounds good thanks daddy appreciate it pal all right, there's Superman Curtis Dixon, and much like Tyler Pace, much like so many other guys, much like yourself and myself, giving back to the future of the game and, and coaching these young kids, whether it's junior teams, travel teams, high school teams, it doesn't matter. There is nothing better than coaching a young kid and seeing him realize his dream and get drafted and playing in the NLL. As I flip my coin again. <laughs> Um, awesome chat with Curtis Dixon and, and yeah, Levi Anderson is going to be an absolute stud. He's climbing up a lot of people's boards, Ooh, yeah. uh, not just NLL, but PLL boards as well. Uh, this kid is going to be an absolute stud out of the Okotoks program. He was coached by Andrew McBride. He was in a Minto cup a few years ago. Uh, this kid is a special, special talent. Um, and watch out for a young Cody Miloski in a few mm-hmm. years, um, who is an up and coming kid out of that pro caliber lacrosse coaching series circuit team travel club whatever you want to call it um but love chatting with curtis Dixon. and very monotone very relaxed very subdued guy but when he puts the helmet on he speaks volumes he is always a great chat it was unfortunately i wasn't uh able to be there but i, I really enjoyed listening to it um but he He's exactly the types type of player that like the NLL has and continues needs to, to lean in because not only is you know great guy, um, you know like as you mentioned, can't although not the most electric electrifying speaker has a lot of great things to say. Um, mm. But when you watch him on the floor, uh, if you're someone who has never seen lacrosse before, like he might be one of the. If I had to choose a player to watch might be that guy because yeah. just the things he does on the floor is absolutely jaw dropping. But to go back on your point about these guys giving back, like the fact that this sport has guys like Curtis Dixon able to coach at the grassroots levels, like Dane Smith and Josh Byrne opening up their own box lacrosse Academy, um, you know, in the Buffalo area, like, it's, you, you just don't see this from other professional sports. And it, it is amazing to see that these guys uh, want to give back and continue to give back to the game and, and, and grow it at the grassroots level. It, it is really awesome. And Curtis Dixon is also a diehard Oilers fans who are the hottest team in the National Lacrosse League oh, right now, or National Hockey League heading into the playoffs. I, I was just finishing saying how I, I, I like Curtis Dixon. And now you're making me... 
want to take that back. No, I, 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 I still, I still love them, but yeah, I don't love the Oilers. Yeah, settle down, settle down. There's room <laughs> on the bandwagon for you, buddy. When you're ready, uh, we'll, this- we'll talk to you after the first round when the Leafs evidently get knocked out by the Bulls. Sorry, sorry. When the Leafs what in the first round? When they lose. Okay. <laughs> uh, week 20 in the National Lacrosse League, two games Friday, including uh, Vegas at Calgary, which is the TSN game of the week, San Diego at Colorado, which is, you know, a sneaky, sneaky good rivalry uh, with all their past. You know, it's that Calgary, Colorado, San Diego. Those three teams just do not like each other. They always play incredible lacrosse. Uh, as mentioned, the Vegas-Calgary game is the TSN game of the week. Um, then Saturday, we have a double header for TSN you've got the call as well as Philadelphia is at Toronto Georgia at Albany New York is taken on Buffalo Halifax Saskatchewan Panther City Vancouver San Diego Colorado is an ESPNU game as well I believe so a lot of NLL on TSN Um, obviously you're going to be focused on Philadelphia Toronto Um, that New York Buffalo game we kind of talked about with the Tucker out lymphoma night there is importance for pretty much every team playing in all of these games whether it's seating whether it's writing the ship whether it's continuing the streaks or whether it's just kind of honing your position this is a massive week with only three left in the nll that was going to be my other thumbs up but of course tucker always trumps everything so but the the, the fact that we have three games on linear tv this week Mm. awesome two north of the border like you mentioned one in the states and they're all going to be great, great competitive yeah. lacrosse games. So I'm excited for it. Yeah, you mentioned, I mean, I'll dive into the the, the game, obviously, that, that I'm doing, Toronto-Philly. It's interesting, you know, talking to both teams. Like, obviously, it means way more for Philly. Um, but again, Toronto caught in this spot where they recognize, yes, like, they got to win because they want to keep pace for that first seeding. But yes, ultimately, it does come down to the game next week against Buffalo, but they are making it so evidently clear. They realize that they can't look past Philly because Philly's got their backs against the wall. This is essentially, you know, a a playoff series for Philadelphia over the next three games for them or whatever they have two or three games left. Um, So they know they're desperate. They absolutely know that they know they can't take them lightly. Um, Then they said that they learned a lot about their team after that loss on that Monday night game against yeah. Philly, um, too many outside shots, too many just shooting for shooting sakes, not 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 taking care of the ball, um, you know, defensively, some bad turnovers that led to goals the other way. They really felt like that was a point in their season where they they realized that there are some things that need to be changed, and you can see their offense has just been completely different since then. But don't count out Philly. Um, Mitch Jones, man, I'm, I've, I said it a few weeks ago, I'm going to keep saying it until it happens or doesn't happen. <laughs> if, if Philadelphia gets into the postseason, I'm going to have one hell of a hard time not putting him number one on an MVP ballot. And I think Wait, some years- what if Philly and Georgia get in, do you give it to Dauber? Or do you give it to Mitch? Dauber for MVP? Why not? The ball, I mean, it's it's got for me, it's like again, and this was gonna be my thumbs down. So maybe this isn't a <laughs> thumbs down. 
And I was guilty of it on coast to coast. You'll hear that later this week. And, and I, I don't want to, cause I do mention this at the end. Thumbs down to recency bias. We're forgetting about the full body of work when it comes to these awards. Yes. Dobson, what he is doing right now is tremendous, but we cannot forget what he was doing at the start of the year. We cannot forget about that. We can't forget what Jonathan Donville has been doing. And I know this is counter counterproductive to my argument, maybe with Jones, but Jones was still having a really good year with Vancouver before yep. he got traded. Yep. I Jeff T. Astronomical numbers this year, potentially. Misses the postseason. A lot of people are going to be like, well, doesn't deserve to be there. How can you be MVP if you make the playoff? Sure. I can get with that. Just for me, though, I just feel like things that have happened midseason at the start of the season, if a player has been just been consistent all the year, kind of gets lost in the shuffle because that becomes the social norm. Like the whole Christian Delbianco MVP conversation has quieted down, even though right now I would still probably have him as my MVP for the year. Well, how is it quieted down? Because everyone wants to talk about all these other players. I don't. And I don't either, but we're just two two people. All I'm trying Screw to the say, other people, Pat. All I'm trying to say is there needs to be more of an emphasis for these awards for a full body of work, yes. not just what happens near the end. It's it's a, such a what have you done for me lately league, which I totally understand and totally respect. I'm not trying to downplay what Brett Dobson done. He is a f- friend of the program. He is going to be an elite goaltender for many, many years to come. But I think the body of work of some players like a Mitch Jones, Jeff T, Tom Schreiber, um, Dane Smith, even um, Christian Delbianco, I think those guys, their full body of work throughout the entire season speaks more volumes to than a Brett Dobson who caught fire at the right time and finally figured things out as a rookie. So does that counterintuitive your if Dobson gets him to the playoffs, he's rookie of the year over Donville? So I said that he should be into the conversation. Yeah. Yes, I think he's in that conversation as well. Right. You and don't think, think he uns- ups- upsets him because of recency bias? Well, I mean, if Donville plays like how he played last game for the next two and kind of yeah. goes wide into the night and Panther City drops to like the fourth seed and they get – yeah, I know we're not supposed to take playoffs in, into account, but again, that's something that usually does happen. And it's just not a strong finish. And Dobson gets them into the postseason. I would, again, I would probably have to think long and hard about that. And yes, it kind of does go against uh, against my my argument here. But at the same time, like it, it's tough. It really is tough. But I, yeah. I would say right now, as it stands, if if season ends right now, um, I'm probably still going with Don though. So you would go Donville, Dauber, and then who's your third? Probably Hannah as my third. Maybe Danny Logan, three. Yeah. It's going to be close. It's going to be really close. It really is. And, and again, I, I think, I think if this is an, any other year where a guy like Donville's not putting up like one of the better rookie seasons we have ever seen, Mm -hmm. I then I think, yeah, it's probably you probably have a much stronger case for a guy like Dobbs. I still think he's going to be in that conversation, even if Georgia just misses out on the postseason. I think they're going to be, I think you could still have him in that combo for sure. Yep, I agree. 
we got to stop letting golf people pick our parlays. Uh, let's <laughs> take the lacrosse people and, and try another round of box bets. Time now for box bets. Your source for all the lines, odds, and props from across the world of lacrosse. Brought to you by CoolBet.com. Stay cool, bet responsibly. <laughs> hey, we're having a good day, lads. And uh, we're still in the mix, baby. <laughs> All right, uh, DJ and the dogs let us down. Um, the parlay didn't hit, but alas, we will try again. Patty, step up to the plate, sir. All right. Fans spoken, went back to the polls. This one's as simple as it gets. And obviously we have a very Canadian following because it's three Canadian teams. Calgary, Toronto, Halifax, all to win, plus 255. Very easy. Three teams, just got to win. No overs, no unders, no spread, nothing. Three money line bets, put that all together, plus 255. Ooh, I like Canadian teams. I like money. That seems kind of a win-win-win when you look at it. Certainly is, and I, I think... When you look at this too, it's, I do kind of like the fact that again, okay, maybe you could argue Calgary, not really that important of a game, but for Toronto, they've made it evidently clear that they want to win because they don't want to have to go to tiebreakers if they're to lose to Buffalo. Mm -hmm. They want the fate in their hands. And you talk to Halifax, I mean, geez, (laughs) They're in playoff mode right now. They basically are in a in a two-game series for the rest of the way. And if they lose one, it's not great. If they lose two, their season's done. So um, a couple of desperate teams and, a, and another team that uh, – or two teams that are trying to get fine-tuned for the playoffs. Seals are still the favorite to win the championship at plus 400. Buffalo and Toronto at plus 550. And then you get Calgary at plus 700. Colorado and Panther City at plus 800. Uh, I also noticed, Patty, some PLL futures are sitting yes. for us. Yes, yes, yes. The outdoor game. We've got some, <laughs> some odds for the PLL. Uh, Water Dogs and Whip Snakes, both uh, plus 475. Mm-hmm. Um, Archers, plus fi- uh, 550. Atlas, 575 chaos plus 650 chrome plus 650 cannons plus 850 and the redwoods down and last at plus 900 mm. just looking at this i think my favorite bet and i know they're perennial chokers in the pll so far <laughs> the archers at plus 550 i really like what they've done you know adding challenge rogers in the offseason um they're a team that Again, you just look at them on paper. There's no reason how they haven't found a way uh, to win a championship yet. Atlas, 575. I like that too. Um, Chaos, again, obviously, and Chrome at 650. I think we're going to get a lot of action on on those two teams with the Canadian flavor that they have. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But uh, anything for you? Or are you still in NLL mode where you're? No, um, you know, I, I, I kind of like. You know, I, the Chrome at plus 650, mm-hmm. I, I can't go against Timmy Sudan. He's my boy. <laughs> um, that team obviously coming off their championship series win, probably got a little bit of confidence, a little flow, a little flavor, a little swagger. 
Uh, I wouldn't mind throwing a, a little sprinkle on that at plus 650. Correct me if I'm wrong. I believe, I believe friend of the program, Jesse King, is back playing for the Chrome this year. That is confirmed. So is confirmed. All the more reason why maybe some of our listeners should be back in the Chrome this year. You betcha. You betcha. All right, so head over to coolbet.com. You can find the lacrosse tab. You can go to the features tab and find the OTCB parlay. The lax class parlay is there as well. Play along, have some fun. And if you're a first-time user, when you log in, use that promo code OTCB. Anything else new and exciting in Pat's world? Not not a whole lot. IHEADS runs are still going. We've got our... our Second to last run, I guess, before well, last run until we go back into our home arena when the ice mm-hmm. ice is out this week. But obviously, you got to wait a little while. But we have a run tonight, uh, exhibition game against the Green Gales next weekend, and then after that, it's regular season, man. When when do you exactly. guys when do you guys start your twenty uh, fifth against the Nymo first game, and we are right into the swing of things. We've got. That's on a Tuesday. Then we play uh, Richmond at home, I think, on the Saturday and Delta on the Sunday. So we're uh, full swing. First games in less than two weeks. So we're excited. Obviously, there's going to be some some games that I miss just traveling with the NLL. But I got all the faith in the world and my coaching staff and, and the guys are going to be helping out. And our group is is young right now. But, you know, once I'm sure you guys are the same way, once you start getting guys back from school and and the shuffle between the big guys and the little guys happens. Um, our roster at the end of the day is is going to be top notch. So I can't wait to get things started. Um, and, off Calgary later today. You're off to yeah. a hammer this weekend. Yep. And uh, not too sure when when Junior A schedule. I know you can go, you can find all the Junior A schedules going um, right now, but I know offhand obviously just because of the rematch last year and the Ironheads affiliation with the beaches, May 16th rematch of the Ontario finals opens up the OJ season, uh, Toronto at Whitby May 16th at seven 30. So I don't know the details. We haven't heard anything about broadcasting. If they're going to be doing it again, I really hope so. I was really enjoying like the, you know, the game of the week. Yeah. Um, that was awesome. But, uh, yeah, just so keep, keep your eyes and ears peeled for that. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I, I'm excited, man. Like Austin and Owens, for uh, you know, we were talking last week, and we we're saying like, obviously he's involved with Halifax and and everything, and and he's like, I don't want to wish away the NLL season, but he's like, I'm getting fired up for oh, yeah. ball here. I'm really yeah. getting fired up for summer ball. It's awesome, you know. Obviously, like you said, we're we're kind of NLL mode, but just being around those young men is infectious. Right? Yeah. They just want to get out and compete and run around and, and play the game. And and I'm excited to get behind the bench and have some fun. So um, one season into the next, that's just the way the lacrosse world rolls. There are, what's that, seven games this weekend, two Friday, including the TSN game and the ESPN game. And then Saturday, the second game of the TSN doubleheader, Philadelphia at Toronto. But four other games are on deck. You can watch them all on TSN Plus and ESPN Plus. Thanks to Curtis Dixon for giving us some time. Uh, he's Pat Gregoire. Find him on Twitter, at P. Greggy. I'm at Teddy Jenner. The show at OTCB underscore podcast thanks for listening to the show this week you can find us on spotify apple itunes soundcloud or anywhere you get your music
Enjoy the games this weekend. If you go to a game, take a friend. If you take a friend, take two. Buy them a beer, lacrosse, beer, friends. There ain't nothing better. Until then, stay safe and be excellent to each other. I am an outlaw.